Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome back. It's part two of Off the Beat and Track podcast with Kate Thornton. You're obviously back because you've had as much fun listening to part one as I did recording it. It's cracking, right? And if you've come here first, have a look at yourselves. What are you doing starting with part two? Get yourself back on part one and we'll see you back here in a bit. Please enjoy the episode of Off the Beaten Track, part two with Kate Thornton. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable, and water based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me, stew with him. Fast forward 15 years, Terence Trent Derby fronts in excess for two tours. You're joking me, I no. did not know that. After Hutchins passed. I really genuinely didn't know Have a little that. look on YouTube, there's loads oh, there of performances of Terence Trent Derby fronting in excess. Yeah, because uh, you need a certain sense of swagger and style yeah, to he emulate. Had sex appeal, didn't he? And, like, yeah, he and did. the thing is, like, with Terence Trent Derby, you just, when, when, he, when I first heard if he let me stay, mm. and was it the tube he was on? And yeah. I remember seeing Paulie Yates, like, literally open-mouthed at, like, this guy. She liked him. And, uh, and I think he sung... He might have sung One for World of Cupid by Sam Cooke, like, a cappella, mm. and his voice was just... I mean, you just think, oh, my God. And then he danced, and it was like, oh, my God. Mm. And, like, and he looked beautiful. It was like... But you know what he didn't do? He never, over, he never overdid it. Yeah. So, you know, he could probably dance as well as some of the greats. Yeah. But he just showed you a little bit of that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. What we got next? What we got? Next? I'll tell you what. I want to um, just go back a little bit and just say um, you, you spoke about um, 
you know, some the, the first record that had an emotional impact. You stuff like George and things like that. Like growing up, was was there music on at home? Yeah, it was. A, yeah, my mum my and dad would buy very sporadically. They would buy music. They had lots of vinyl from back in the day, mm -hmm. which I loved. And I, I remember buying a record player. Um, and only having like, you know, my first record that I ever bought, which we'll come to, um, I had like three or four pieces of vinyl, nothing much. So I started yeah. to plunder theirs. And that's when I got into it. I mean, like you're literally talking about, you know, um, 45s that they bought yeah. upon release of the Beatles, the Stones. Um, I remember my mom and dad telling me this story about how my, my, my dad was very disapproving of the fact that she slept out for the night to queue for her Beatles tickets. <laughs> Uh, uh, to go and see them at the Cheltenham Odeon. <laughs> and, um, and I thought my mum was really cool for yeah, that. Yeah. And I was like, God, Dad, lighten up. Um, so, yeah, that, they're, they're, you know, all of those songs mean so much because it yeah. takes you back. And, and you start to, I think as well, it's a great way. I, I try to do this with my son, is I try to give him music to explore and understand and introduce him to what I think are great artists, and I've yeah. always done that, so I make playlists for him. Yeah. Um, and because of that, he has the most extraordinary... Yeah. You know, he's like, Mum, put Fat Larry's band on. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Hey, Mum, what about Let No Man Put Us Under? Yeah. And it's like, you know, none of those songs are relevant yeah. to his, his, his peers, but he likes it. That's and great. I think he's that's got really a thirst for it, though. Yeah. Yeah, I think between me and his dad, it, it, it would have been weird if he didn't. Yeah, of course, of course. Okay. So, th these songs reminded you of school. So, at school, like, did you enjoy school, first of all? No. You didn't? No. Um, no, I, d I didn't, not secondary school. No, I didn't, I didn't go to great school. Um, I, I wasn't, I didn't run, I had, I had a really great, brilliant group of friends who are amongst my best friends to this day. Um, but, but we, we kind of, you know, we, we sat on the fringes of stuff, I guess. Um, and you know, now with my, my son going to school, I, and I see the education I'm able to, to give him. I just wish I'd had that for myself. I, I look back and I feel massively untapped to the point that when he started school at four, I went back to college because I just wanted to see if I had any more in me. Yeah. And I studied and, uh, for two years and, and qualified as a counsellor. Amazing. Yeah. Just... Something I really would like to do in later life. Yeah. Um, what did you uh, want to be at school, though? A journalist. And I remember telling the careers advice officer, you know, when you get your careers advice mm -hmm. officer come in, she's like, so what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be a journalist. And she literally rolled her eyes and advised me to consider something more achievable, like a typing pool. Aside, and I, aside I went home and told my dad, and he went, fucking ballistic. And he marched back up that school, and he wagged his finger and said, you can't do this to kids. You know, if she wants to be the next prime minister, let her try. If she wants yeah. to walk them on the moon, let her try. What, why? Why are you putting a ceiling yeah. on, on these children? And if I hadn't had him, that could have been really quite dispiriting and damaging, yeah, actually. Completely. And I had a great, I had one great teacher, Mr. Pugh, um, and he was an English and drama teacher. And he just saw something in me. And whilst everybody else, I felt, and maybe they weren't down on me, maybe that was just me being, you know, slightly emotional teenager. Um, he was always so, so encouraging and advised me, you know, he, he was a kind of reach for the stars kind of mentor. And he was like, well, we'll try, you know, try. And I had such amazing parents that I always knew I could come to London and I could try to find, you know, my path yeah. in, in journalism. And if it didn't work out, it didn't matter because I could go home and all they would say is well done for trying. So yeah. I, I had that kind of confidence from them. Um, but certainly not from from the people that taught me at school, uh, and I and I think that's I think that's a real shame. I think as yeah. as a teacher, you have a, a duty of care to the children that you teach um, to broaden their horizons. Absolutely, you know, and you know the school was in a pretty you know rough area. You know, I was beaten up every week. There was a lot of bullying going oh, on. Really? Yeah, it, it wasn't the, it it wasn't the nicest of times. It really wasn't. Um, and then when I finally made my way to London and I was studying journalism at the London College of Printing, I finally felt like I was walking through life in the right shoes for the first time and I was amongst my people. Yeah. Um, 
even though I couldn't spell. You know, yeah. I left school. I mean, that's how bad my education was. I couldn't spell. <laughs> and I was, you know, 18 years old. Um, so, yeah, school wasn't the best of times. But what doesn't break you makes you stronger I and guess all so. that stuff. Yeah. 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 You said you wanted to be a journalist. Was it... Did you know what sort of journalism was? It music that you wanted to be involved with? Was Not necessarily. I didn't. I didn't know that much at that time. I just knew I loved words yeah. and that I was. I was good at writing. Um, Did you read a lot growing up then? I. I never stopped reading. I was that child with a torch under the quilt at you know lights out time. Just couldn't yeah. put it down. I read everything yeah. vicariously, and I still do. I read every night before I go to sleep. Yeah. Regardless of what state I'm in. Um, and yeah, I love. I love books. I wish I had it in me to write a brilliant one. I don't. Maybe that's why I love books, because I know I can... It's the same with music. I have no musical skills or ability whatsoever. I can't sing. I can't play an instrument. But I, I love music, and I'm able to be a fan, because there's, I think there's a part of me that always wants to try stuff. Yeah. And I know I can't try that, because I'll be shit at it. Yeah. Um, and the same with fiction. Um, I know I could write a great biography of somebody, but I couldn't write a piece of fiction, so I love to lose myself in fiction. Wonderful. Track four, Kate. The first record you remember buying? Grease the soundtrack. Double gatefold yeah. sleeve. Would you study all the pictures on the oh inner sleeve? Oh, my God, endlessly. You know, endlessly. Yeah. And when you say double, it was like, sort of like a gatefold, wouldn't yeah. it? It open out and yeah. it inside was all seals from the film, wasn't it? Oh, my God. And it had, you know, the vinyl sat in this lovely white crisp envelope um, to protect it. And I cherished it and I loved it and I adored it. And I tried to learn the dance routine to the end scene. And oh, and, and it, it stemmed from, like, you know, we, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. My mum and dad worked really hard endlessly um, to give us the life that we had. And we were way luckier than most, but, you know, we weren't, there was no cash to splash. So trips to the cinema were a real treat. They sure. were so, you know, so rare. And, um, I remember one day, I mean, I'd obviously seen the buzz building on Greece and um, I must have talked about it a lot. And my mum and dad had said, right, we're going out for a picnic on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon. I was like, oh, going to be boring. And we got in the car and I could see we weren't driving out to some, some picnic spot. We were driving into town. I was like, well, where are we going? And they were like, surprise, we're taking you to see Greece. Oh, and I got so excited, God. I wet myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to sit and watch it with no knickers on. True story. Oh, amazing. I know. So giddy. So as soon as I saw it, and that was it, I was like, oh, my God. You know, Danny Zuko, Sandy. Oh, yeah. I loved the fact that she was... Was you Danny or was you Kanicki? Because Kanicki was a no, bad Danny. boy, right? Really? I didn't like Kanicki. No, just didn't do it for me. Um, and I remember seeing that, and then that was it. I had to save up all my money. I washed people's cars in the neighbourhood. I did extra babysitting. I did whatever I could to get enough money together to go into town, into our price, and buy that album. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, the opening of that film, that could have been on the intros. The mm. minute that, ba, ba, la, 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 what before, an opener. Yeah, it's just Huge. the arrangement. Yeah. Is, it's, it's, orche it's orchestral, it's yeah. lovely. It's massive. There's something really, yeah. And, and actually, there's a lot of different kinds of sounds on that. As don't don't a, get on me started album. on Hopelessly Devoted to You, because, oh, what a... It's what great. a wonderful record. But but the, not just the record, the way it completely worked that moment yeah. cinematically. Yeah. If you were that girl sat there with no knickers on in the cinema, you're <laughs> just so excited to wet yourself. <laughs> and I just wanted to be her so bad. And I remember my mum... Did you want to be squeaky clean, Sandy? Or no, the super foxy sexy one. one. And I knew I couldn't be. Um, but I really wanted to be. And my mum used to run the local, the, like the Freeman's catalogue on our estate yeah. for a bit of extra money. And... You know, I remember flicking through the Freeman's catalogue and there they were. The sat, leggings. The satin trousers. And I was like, I've got to have them, Mum. I've got And she knew and she got me them and I probably looked ridiculous in them uh, and had a boob tube to go with it. And we went to, I think, Lorette de Mar that year on holiday. First time probably on a plane. Uh, before that, we'd been to France on the coach. And... I remember, you know, sliding myself into these, sweating profusely, you know, in the Costa del Sol, but thinking I was the bee's knees. Amazing, <laughs> amazing. Right, so let's 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 touch on um, your your career starting then in in journalism. 
-hmm. And so where was, where was the first the I first had to get job? work experience. So I got one on a magazine called New Woman. When you were studying? Yeah, while I was studying as part of the course. And then the, the second placement that I managed to secure uh, was the Sunday Mirror magazine. And the editor there, I mean, I literally went in and jazz hands my way through the two weeks. It was like, I have got to get a job because once this course finishes, I have no money to stay in London. Yeah. I have to go home and there's no work at home. I need to be in London. Certainly then you did. You know, this is pre-internet. And how old were you then? 19. Yeah. Coming up for 20. And Kate Hadley was my editor. Really, ni really nice lady. And the features editor was also uh, a woman called Sally Morris. And they, they, I think they just, they, they took a shine to me. And I was clearly quite desperate uh, in terms of trying to please. And at the end of the two weeks, um, I'd said to her, you know, how have I done? She said, you did great. You know, I would give you a job. Why don't you, you know, and I said, look, you're serious. You're going to give me a job? She went, I'll give you a job. You know, you can be an editorial assistant. And it was kind of dog's body work, but I was really happy with that. Yeah. And she said, um, come back when you finish your exams. And literally, I finished my exams at like midday, and I was there by one in a power suit from my mum's Freeman's catalogue, ready to start work. And and that I didn't stay long, but um, whilst I was there, there was a big um, challenge with the titles, in as much as their readership was dying. Uh, they had a quite old readership, and they wanted to bring the children of their readers in. And uh, how do they do that? And I was literally the, the only, mirror. Yeah, yeah, I was the only person under thirty, pretty much on that team. Right, and I said. I'll do it. And I, and I said, I'll, I'll, you don't have to pay me. I'll just write a youth column. And it was record reviews, competitions, an interview with a pop star. Um, and they said, okay, you've got, you've got one day a week to do that. And the rest of the time, you know, I was like, you know, running newspaper cuts up to Alistair Campbell or Anne Robinson or Paul Foote, my hero. Um, booking taxis, you know, just doing whatever my job required me to do as an editorial yeah. assistant. One day a week. I was a columnist in a national newspaper and I could not believe my luck. Was you ambitious? Yeah. Still am. Yeah. Always ambitious. Ambitious not in the... Ambitious for myself, you know. Yeah. I'm hungry for new experiences. Yeah. Um, I, like, I like challenging myself. I like feeling uncomfortable about can I do it. Yeah. I think that's good. And sometimes ambition is, is used in such a negative way. Completely. And it's, it's a wonderful quality to possess. Definitely. Uh, because it's about betterment. You know, it's about wanting to better yourself. An experience. And that, yeah. And I, you know, we were talking about this recently on my, my podcast. Um, I was talking to Nadia Sawala. And I said, you know, don't you find a lot of people at our age now? And you maybe hear this with your own friends. Um, are sort of like, well, you know, this is what I am now. It is what it is. I am what I am. It's like, don't say that. Don't say that. You don't put a full stop on yourself. Yeah. Keep going. Because, you know, we're living longer than ever before. I'm, not, I'm nowhere near done. This yeah. is, you know, I've had an amazing professional life. But this isn't the end. And who knows what I'm going to do for the next 30 years? Because the Completely. chances are I'm going to have to work for the next 30 yeah. years. And, and I don't want to keep doing the same thing. I don't, li I don't like eating the same meal every day. Why would I yeah. want to do the same job every day if I have the opportunity to not? Yeah. But and it's about making your own luck, isn't it? And it's making an opportunity. Yeah, mm. totally. And I think a lot of people do get to, to, you know, to our age and do start to think, well, you know, I've done that. I've got to here. And then, you know, I can... You know, don't get me wrong, there are days where I go, oh, I'd love to retire. Oh, but I bet retirement's nice. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know if I could ever actually do that. I've got ants in my pants there. Yeah. And I, there were jobs that I did. So, so after, the, after starting at the Mirror, I then, got, I then had no idea how I'd, I got it, but I got the job at Smash Hits. So uh, the, the editor at the time was a guy called Mark Frith, who now edits the Radio Times, and yeah. he's a phenomenal editor. Hugely how old was you then? When I started, I was 21. That's ridiculous, Kate. I know. Like, That's why I say it's, you know, I didn't think I could get the job. I know what I was like at 21. You know, I could not, in a, I wasn't a grown-up at 21. I wasn't like, a grown-up, but I wasn't running, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a grown-up job, talking to teenagers. Yeah. It's a weird one. That's incredible. Mm. It's extraordinary. I mean, they wouldn't give anybody that opportunity today, I don't yeah. think. And, and, you know, I had like a massive... I had a massive budget of like a million quid to spend on marketing. I was 21 and I'd been in the workplace 18 months. I mean, who does that? And for those that maybe are a bit younger and, and don't remember Smash It's, uh, uh, you know, as a publication, what was the readership like then? Um, well, it was on the dip, which is why I was bought in. Yeah. 
Um, so I can't actually remember, but in its heyday, it was it was massive, huge, and it was so important because if you wanted to get into the charts, you had to get into Smash Hits. Yeah. It was that simple. We were the pop bible, yeah. and I grew up every Wednesday cycling to the newsagents, waiting for it to drop. It was bi-weekly, and I would then push my bike home with one hand whilst reading and literally turning the pages with my chin. Um, because I couldn't wait to get home to read yeah. it and devour the lyrics and yeah. the, and the language of the magazine was so important. Um, and there was a brilliant, you know, when I was a reader, there were great writers there like Tom Hibbert, Dave Hepworth was involved, uh, Mark Ellen, uh, you know, amazing. You know, they went on to start the gray, uh, the, the old grey whistle test. Um, Barry McElhenney, um, Mike Sutar, brilliant, brilliant um, editors that came and shaped the, the sound of and, and that shorthand of smash hits. And it was irreverent. It was funny. It was cheeky. It was passionate. Um, and it was so important. And so, so to get that, Justin Mark said to me, um, he was going to edit Sky magazine, which felt achingly cool at the time. I was like, wow. Hello. I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there... I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. You said, you know, there's no... First magazine that wrote about my band was Sky really? Magazine. Really? There you go. Yeah. That's a great stuff. <laughs> and he said, look, there's no obvious internal candidates. Why don't you apply for the job? And I said, because I've never applied for a job. I've never been to a job interview. And he said, well, just try. You know, I'll put you forward. Um, so I applied. I think I did 10 hours of interview, quite rightly, because they must have thought, what? What are we doing? What are yeah. we thinking? And they asked me to go away and make a dummy um, issue. And I was so, it was so clunky what I did. I came home and, and, and did my page layouts and literally stapled it together as a magazine and took it in and, and, and showed them through, you know, what I would do with the magazine. And... Nobody was more surprised than me when I got the job. Nobody. Oh, well, I, I probably were the staff. <laughs> First like, issue. She's, she's the youngest person on the team. What the fuck? First issue as editor. Who'd you put on the cover? Take that, because they just split up. That's that a... was, that bad luck. Like, literally, between taking the job and starting the job, take that split up, and they were our bankers. Um, so I rinsed their demise for as long as possible with farewell issues, yeah. memorial issues. I mean, it was, and you know, then the solo careers. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, 96. Child line was busy again then, oh wasn't it? Oh my God, yeah. Um, it was a really interesting year and it wasn't without its challenges, but there were massive highs in that year. So we had Blur v Oasis. We had Jarvis Moon and Jacko at the Brits. Huge moment. Um, then these five girls tipped up in my office and refused to leave until I promised to give them some coverage and they were the Spice Girls. Um, and and that, that, was, that was really exciting. So, you know, my, my time at Smash It started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. burrow.com slash ACAST. 
Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. With the demise of a great band, by the time I left to go and work in television... Um, girl power was everywhere and it was lovely to be a really small part of that that's a big year isn't it massive in in the world of pop spice girls turn up and take, take that, that split, split up. up blur the oasis that whole indie movement but that that you know but and you you know we say indie movement and it was obviously indie music as you know but at this point like Damon Albarn's a pop star. Popper. Like, we, we, you know, I think you know, he must have hated the fact that we made him a, a pin-up. Well, I, I mean... I, I, and I remember trying to get, as a cover man, Damon Albarn beads to give away to readers. Amazing. Yeah. And we did... They uh, were good beads. He did, uh, he, did, he did do a good mm. bead, and they were cheap, <laughs> which was really helpful when you're on a budget. But I remember seeing Blur, like, from... from Right at the very beginning and, and seeing them in loads of small little places. And then I saw them when Great Escape come out at Earl's Court or Wembley Arena. And all of a sudden, it was 14-year-old girls screaming. And it wasn't awkward indie kids jumping around. They, they'd, become a pop, they'd become a pop band. I don't know how comfortable they were with that, mm. but I thought it was wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Track 5, Kate. The song that soundtracked your year's clubbing. I thought you'd have a few for this. Mm. Oh, so hard because there's so many. Well, you mentioned Jocelyn Brown at the beginning for intro. Yeah. That's somebody else's guy. That's, that is an intro, isn't it? Oh, so good. It's stupendous. And I used to go to this club in Cheltenham called Henry Africa's. And there was a guy that used to DJ there called Steve Aspie. And he he used to drop that and I, it didn't matter if I had just got to the, you know, the, queued for 20 minutes to go to the loo. If that came on, I legged it out of the queue because that was a moment. Yeah. That was a dance floor moment yeah. for me. And it was, you know, so, I mean, it's not a club track in, in the most obvious sense yeah. of the word, but it's a song that makes me run to the dance floor. It's dance music as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, me too. Um, and everybody used to sing. It was, you know, you can't dance to that and not put your hands in the yeah. air. You just can't. Yeah. You know, put it on now and try. I defy you. Yeah. You, you cannot sit on your hands. It's been played at every possible wedding, birthday party. But it, to me, that's just credit to what an amazing record mm. it is. And what a great vocal. Oh, absolutely faultless. Yeah. So I'm just looking at a couple of the others that you've, you've sent over, Kate. And... And it's taking me straight back to 1989 as well. Mm. Uh, in a city, good life. Oh, see, that's so. 89 was when I started to come to London and go to the Soul to Soul nights mm -hmm. at Camden Palais. Um, I'd been raving by that point. So there was a guy where I lived in Cheltenham called James Perkins who started a, a, a rave uh, movement, I suppose. Because Acid House had happened by then. Acid House it? had happened, yeah. yeah. And I'd been way too, I'd been way too young to be able to kind of dive into that yeah. beyond play and record on the radio. Mm -hmm. Um, but James started Fantasia, um, and, and that was it. We were on the rave circuit and it was like, you know, M25, meet at the World of Leather Roundabout, you know, get your next clue as to where you're going to go. Yeah. There was such exciting, heady days. I don't remember the music I danced to in those fields or wherever we ended up, yeah. but I remember the music we listened to in the car on the way there. And Inner City Good Life kind of, for me, it's a song that I first heard in Ibiza when I was allowed to go clubbing. So I remember standing in Amnesia and Esparidee. Esparidee when the, the, the dance floor used to turn into a disgusting swimming pool at about five o'clock in the morning, full of fag butts and um, which just felt massively exciting and decadent. Um, to play and then coming home from those holidays and just rinsing that yeah. everywhere we went. If, if we were going somewhere to dance, that was always the song that got me going. Yeah. And I still love it to this day. And then the, the driving home track from those, um, those mad nights um, would be Mantronics. Oh, I just love that record. 
got to have your love. It's just that. As soon as you hear that, oh, it's brilliant. And again, it would be one, it would come on at the end of the night somewhere and it didn't matter where you yeah. were, you ran to the dance yeah. floor. And it was just a nice wind down. Yeah, that's a wonderful record. Yeah. And then maybe a f couple of years after, um, you mentioned uh, Where Love Lives. Yeah, Alison Limerick. What a record that is. Yeah. It's, it's just a tune. Yeah. A total. <laughs> and it was on the radio yesterday. Tune. And there was another one, um, Kyria. Let Me Kyria, Love You Tonight. Let Me Love You Tonight. And I. I went to about five record stores to find that on 12 inch. Yeah. I had to have it. What an intro. As yeah. soon as you hear that, doo -doo 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 -doo, it's beautiful. like beautiful. any kind of, sort of documentary. It, tingle, it, <laughs> it does. You tingle. Yeah, you hear it and you're like, ah, where's the dance floor? <laughs> any type of like documentary about Hacienda or things like that, that little mm -hmm. bit at the beginning will be used at some yeah. point because it's just, oh, what yeah. a wonderful record. So, that, yeah, I couldn't choose one. I'm really sorry, but I hope that I have given you some fine examples. You're just taking me back to, to, to my... The uh, tunes, my aren't they? I'm glad you agree, Brilliant. Um, so, before we get on the track six, do you want to talk about um, something that when I was prepping uh, a, a little for this today, I try not to sort of over-prep because I just want the sort of conversation just to kind of sort of, you know, just take its course. But I looked at your... Um, as you started to move into television and... I don't, if, if you can sort of tell me a little bit more about it in 1997, the, the candle in the wind uh, yeah. thing. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty fucking crazy. I know, right? Yeah. Totally, totally crazy. And um, of course it wasn't planned because, you, yeah, it was, hello. I had just started in telly and my first show was a youth current affairs show. Um, there were four of us presenting it and the idea was it was like a total crash course in TV and I wanted to be a producer not a presenter at this point um, but I had to present as well as produce my strands on the show so every week uh, the show was called Straight Up and we had to go out and find a story set it up shoot it cut it book a guest off the back of it and be live in the studio with it on a Sunday lunchtime um, nobody watched it it was against the omnibus of EastEnders um, but it was a great way it was a great nursery slope into television. And we'd only been on air about, uh, we'd been on air eight weeks when, uh, and we filmed it down in Southampton at Meridian Television. And one of my co-hosts was Nick Knowles. And we, we both lived in the Novotel in Southampton at that time. And I, you know, the night before the show, um, I would get quite nervous and I would be, you know, doing my prep for the next day. And I had the TV on low in the background and the news came on that there had been a terrible accident in Paris. And Dodie Fayed was, was dead and Princess Diana was seriously injured. So I called the editor of the show and just said, you know, geez, come in, come in, everybody in. Um, and we thought there's no way there's going to be a show tomorrow. We, we can't, we can't be on air. Mm. This is huge. It's just going to be rolling news. And in the very early hours of the morning, I think, she was announced as having passed away. That's right. I thought, right, you know. But Network Centre was saying to us, prep a show just in case and actually came back to us because we were live on a Sunday um, ITN God knows why they showed such great faith in us um, said we need an hour to gather and reposition ourselves you know, nobody knew what they were doing That well, of course they knew what they were doing we'd never been in a moment like it so there was no kind of protocol there was no oh in the event of this is what we do it was like we're all in uncharted waters here and you're going to stay on air. And they dispatched Nick Knowles to Buckingham Palace and he was going to live back to the studio from there and I was in the studio with the two other hosts. Um, and one of the things I had to do that day was uh, cut together, to cut together a tribute package at the end of the show to play out, which kind of reflected her work with young people, so Diana, Princess of the Young and Youth Causes. And I'd just got back from shooting some stuff in Ibiza for other films for the for the series and I had all I had in my car was dance music I'd done a, a piece about DJs and techno um, and the music library was shut because it was a Sunday and I remember I can still now remember trying to you know, literally kick the music library door open because I was like I've got to find a track to go over this mm. and all I had in my car that was in any way appropriate was Elton John's greatest hits I love Elton John and I'm literally looking down the track list and it's like, sorry, it's the hardest word. No, that's not going to work. No, 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 that's not going to work. 
Candle in the Wind. She was our Marilyn. You know, that, that, that's going to have to do because mm. that's all I've got. And I took it to the edge of the They were like, no, this is great. That's a great fit. Let's play it out. So we did. The rest is history, right? I guess. I mean, I had no further hand in it than that. I take absolutely no credit. Apart from, I, I believe that we were the first people to play it in conjunction with such an awful event. Yeah. But it, it clearly... I suppose there is a pride in the fact that I found a piece of music that matched a moment and a mood. It clearly connected. Massively, yeah. Incredible. Biggest selling record of all time. Wow. <laughs> Track six. Yeah. A favourite song from an artist from your hometown. Well, there wasn't a lot to choose from because I'm from Cheltenham. Mm -hmm. It could have been EMF, but they're more Forest of Dean. That was last week's episode. I know, and I saw that, <laughs> and I thought, I can't do that. And then I thought, what are you talking about? You know who is, is, is a, a Cheltenham boy. He's buried in our crematorium, and uh, I, pass his, I pass his headstone every time I go and pay my respects to family members that we've, we've lost, and that's Brian Jones from the Rolling Stones. What track? Sympathy for the Devil. Oh, mate. What a record. Pleased to meet you. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. Hope you get my name. You've seen the Stones? Yeah. They deliver, don't they? Oh, my God, yeah. And, you know, I discovered the Stones in my mum and dad's 45 collection. Yeah. Then I took them to see the Stones many years later at Wembley Stadium. But we used to go to this, this uh, basement bar in Cheltenham called the 21 Club, and it's somewhere that my parents used to drink. And it's not like any other pub or bar I've, I'd ever been to. It was low ceilings. We used to drink jugs of beer and it was just full of everyone. Everyone used to go there and a Sunday night at the 21 Club was yeah. legendary and they would blast out these tunes and literally we'd be on top of each other and this, we would sing at the, the top of our voices and they used to do this thing called ceiling. And so if somebody went, ceiling, suddenly you just got lifted off your feet and passed around the ceiling <laughs> like you would if you stage dived. Yeah. And it was always to this or reef, get your hands up. Excellent, excellent. But it's such an amazing piece of music. It's not even a great song, it's a piece of music, this. I saw... Um like I first saw the Stones, I reckon they were meant to have played the new Wembley, but it wasn't ready, so they 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 moved it to um, Twickenham. And when I say I'm a Stones fan, I'm a fan of the greatest hits of the Stones. I don't know all the album tracks. I'm not mm. like an obsessive. And I've seen millions of bands, Kate, and like, but when the lights went down and the the, the, the stage like lit up Keith Richards playing the opening bars to Jack Flash mm. oh there's so many tunes it's just like I was just completely like oh, that's that's actually Keith Richards like and it was just and then Mick come on oh you still can't deny him can you mate like he did not stop no. for like three hours he's in his 70s now and, and he's like, still doing it incredible and anybody that says oh you know you, you, you've got to know when to stop no, you don't. There's a prime example. No, you don't. You, yeah. you carry on, my friend, Absolutely. and I will always be there to listen. I think the Rolling Stones, when you listen to that body of music, for me, they are a jukebox on their own. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and there's no reason why they should stop because it's one of the greatest shows I've ever seen. And they still put on a great show. Mm. They still do. And I would still pay really good money to go and see them do their thing with their tunes that are... I mean, like Sympathy for the Devil is another great example of the songs I pass to my son now. It's like, yeah. you've you got to get into this yeah. and um, get off of my cloud. Yeah. We used to love that as kids. It's like, hey, hey, you, yeah. you get off of my cloud. And it was just something like you could wag your finger yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. And there was so much sass in what they did and then yeah. so much soul in what they did as yeah. well. And, 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 and a real kind of lovely stitch of blues through it all as well. Oh, massively, yeah. It was a beautiful melting pot of so many musical genres. Um, Sympathy for the Devil really encapsulates all of that but as well. Yeah, and I think if you discover them in your teens as I did, you continue listening to them through your life as I have, you always hear new things. Yeah. And that is probably the greatest compliment you can pay a band like that, is that, that they're still teaching me things with songs that are so familiar to my ears. Completely. Yeah. Completely. Final track, Kate. A song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. So you can be DJ now 
and uh, an influence. Joan Armour Trading, Love and Affection. She's got a lovely voice. Amazing. It's the only song of hers that I know or like. Yeah. Bizarrely. And I, yeah. d- and I downloaded a load of her stuff recently just to say to myself, have you really tried the yeah. rest of Joan's? You know, have you tried? Yeah. Um, I don't know how I found this record. It came on the radio. And I was like a meerkat. I was like, what is this? Yeah. And I had to go and buy it. Um, And it's the song, as I float through those doors, you know, at at my funeral, that's the song I'm going to. Oh, really? Yeah, that's a great choice. That's it. Yeah, it's a beautiful record. And, you know, you can can read it as two things. You know, make love, you can think about it as, as an act of sex. But actually, we make love in every relationship we have in our lives. Yeah. So make love with affection. Yeah. Sing me a love song, but this time with a little dedication. Sing it, sing it, sing it, sing it. And the backing vocals, that baritone, BV, which just makes you quiver. It turns me to jelly. And the only time I've ever heard a BV used like that is some of Sade's music. Yeah. And and I really fought to try and get her onto my choices as well, because she's another... Amazing artist. Um, but but for me, the orchestration, it's an anthem. It takes you places. You can listen to this song and lose yourself in the busiest room because you have to connect to it. I do yeah. anyway. And by the time it fades out with the, you know, you just, it's almost like you've had sex. Yeah. You feel that, you know, that lovely kind of amazing feeling at the end of a really... Yeah, um, it's that. It's musical sex. I mean, I don't think you could have sold that any better, really. Mm. Like, and what's really weird is like, I don't know how I know it. I don't know where. I don't know when I, I discovered it. I'm guessing it was the radio. It's great, isn't it? How, and and I've spoke about this on a previous one. Like, how songs just you just know them, and yeah. like, and they're just there. And yeah, that song feels like it's in my bones. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll repeat it for those that might not have listened to the episode where I, I spoke on this but I was driving along with my daughter in the car and I was listening to absolute 90s or 80s or whatever something like that and Aztec Camera Somewhere in My Heart come on uh. and I was just driving along and I love that record and and I just could hear my, my daughter in the back singing and I just thought how do you know that? And that's obviously the first thing I said to her was like, where, how do yeah. you know that? And she just went, I just do. I just do. And that was the same with that. I mean, that was released the year I was born. Yeah. Um, my mum and dad didn't play it. I don't know that it would have been on Radio 1 and that's all I yeah. ever listened to. So I don't know how that song found me. But from the moment it did, it's been, it's, it's been, it's literally, it is in my bones. I love that song so much. Good music finds its way, right? Always. Cream always rises to the top. White wine question time. Yes. Tell me all about it. It's it's my podcast. Mm-hmm. We drop an episode every Friday, um, and it's it's kind of the ultimate conversation between friends. So every week, I bring together three uh, well-known friends, people here? that you will do you know. Do it here? No, we do it in studio. We do it everywhere, really. Mm-hmm. We've got a studio in London that we do it in. Um, three well-known friends who come together to answer three, I hope, thought-provoking questions over three bottles of wine. Yeah. Who you add on? Um, we've had Keith Lemon with Joe Swash and Chris Miles. We've had Amanda Holden with Angela Griffin and Lisa Faulkner. We've had Tamsin Outhwaite uh, with her. Oh, Tam's been on a few times. I mean, basically, a lot of them are my friends. But then um, across the series now, we've had such a spread of people. Uh, I mean, go and check it out. We're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on the Acast app. We're in all good places where you consume your podcasts. Um, but it's, it's a really, I think, brilliant and eclectic guest list. And I, what I love is it's a way to explore people's friendship groups. Yeah. So quite often a guest will So Tamsin came on the first time with Mylene Class and Julie Graham, the actress. And then she phoned me after. She went, oh, no, let's, let's do it. I want to come on with my mates from drama college. So that was Lucy Alexander from Homes Under the Hammer and Louis Spence. Amazing. And it was one of my favourite episodes, you know, because it was just them talking about that, that moment in time for yeah. them. Um, and that. the connection's there already, right? So the oh. conversation must be great. And, and the, the response that we get from listeners, I've 
I, it, you know, it means the world. It really does. And then we've done things, you know, we've done episodes which have been about male suicide, which have really resonated mm -hmm. with people. Um, we've just done um, a Pride special with Jake and Hannah Graff, who are arguably the, the, the highest profile trans couple in the trans and LGBT community. Um, fascinating listening to their stories. And I think, you know, I mean, I, I, got, I got a message yesterday from somebody that just said, I... I'm sat on a train and I have laughed at the top of my voice and and had the strangest looks from people. And then two minutes later, I was in floods of tears and I felt so embarrassed I had to get off and get the next train and pull myself together. Yeah. And if you can get that from 45 minutes of listening to a podcast, if it can make you laugh and it can make you cry and it can make you think, then I'm really, I'm really happy with that. Absolutely. That's one of my favourite things when you... You're on the train and you can see people like with headphones sniggering. I just want to go, what, what are you, what are you listening to? <laughs> I want to listen. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and one, one question time. You know, we've, we've got some amazing guests planned for future episodes. Um, I think, you know, there's ambitions for us to take it live and, oh, and do it with a studio audience and uh, or, or a live audience. Um, and what's lovely now is it's kind of, it, it's gone 360 rather than me constantly reaching for the phone and going, would you come on? Would you come on? People are now going, can we come on? Yeah. Um, and that's really nice. And, you know, even had people like Lisa Stansfield came on with her be two best mates, a hairdresser. Yeah. And the girl that started out as her assistant and is now a manager. Um, and it's lovely exploring those dynamics. Yeah. And I think everybody knows what it is to have a group of friends. We all have it, I hope. Yeah. Um, but do you find as well, like, because... What, what I've noticed with, with this podcast and, and, and the other one I do um, is that we've also got lots of people that message in saying, like, um, I don't know, either they, 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 they suffer with, you know, anxiety mm -hmm. or whatever. And sometimes when they hear me and my pals having a chat, that they feel like they're involved. They feel like they're part of it. And totally. It, and it, and I mean, that's, that's absolutely what I get back yeah. from listeners, um, you know, be it a new mum that hasn't got the energy for a yeah. conversation but really wants to be a part of one yeah. uh, or who's breastfeeding in the middle of the night and yeah. is just just like thank you you kept me going or people that are going through terrible illnesses yeah. um, or mental health issues um, where they feel slightly isolated from what would have been their friendship group but yeah. it plugs them back in and it gives them the confidence yeah. uh, to go and to pick up the phone yeah. or you know drop somebody a whatsapp message and say do you fancy a coffee yeah um, and what I wanted to do with it is, I think, you know, I, I was telling you before we started recording this, Andy Bell has, has done the music. So Andy Bell, previously of, of Oasis and previous to that ride and still ride now and now. And, and I mean, just a lovely man. He's one of, he's one of my, my, he's married to one of my best friends. And when I started talking about doing White One Question Time, he, he, he was the one that got it straight away. He went, yeah. It's like sitting in my kitchen and listening to you, like you should do this. And he yeah. did, he's done, he's, he's kind of, he created the soundtrack for the podcast um and it is it is a reflection of all of those conversations that friends have the length and breadth of the country when don't we get together and not everybody drinks i get that but for us normally it involves a bottle of wine yeah. and um and what i love about those conversations is they start at A, they never end at Z, but they cover all gamuts of the alphabet and everything in between Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And, and I love that. And yeah. there's no restrictions because you're not doing it for a network. There is no, there's no body above you to say, that's not right, you can't do yeah. that. And I love the freedom that that, that brings. And I think, I think we've, we've recorded conversations that have truly, A, entertained people, which is great, but, but more importantly, really helped people. Um, and mental health is something that comes up a lot, not because we are a podcast that tries to talk about it. It's just because people do talk about their mental health and their feelings. And you can call it mental health, but actually, if you're having an honest exchange with friends, and often that will stitch its way through. And I think people find great comfort in shared experiences. Absolutely. Kate, this has been a wonderful shared experience. Ah, thanks for coming over. Mate, thank you so much. I've had a, a lovely time. And it's, uh, As have it's been I. A real pleasure. It's been my pleasure. Thanks, Kate. Sorry if I've burnt your ears off. <laughs> there you go. That's it. End of. Both parts. Smashing, right? Had an absolutely wonderful time sitting in the garden of, of Kate's um, beautiful house. And it's really nice when the, 
obviously we, we we worked out quite quickly that Kate and I are the same age. So so many of the reference points throughout the the chat, the songs that really you know cut through pop culture and and made their mark and 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 really stamped themselves was exactly the same for me. So it, it was it was great to kind of reminisce with Kate over so many amazing records. Um, Kate has since um, invited us, um, myself and, and Scroobius and Chris, to do White Wine Question Time, which we're hopefully going to sort out very soon. That should be quite interesting. Um, and Kate has also introduced me to some other people um, that she knows that are talking to me at the moment about coming and recording episodes as well. I won't say who they are yet until it's all signed, sealed and delivered, but yeah, it's it's a bit special. So uh, hopefully we can get that one all, all tied up and, uh, and recorded. So thanks again to Kate, thanks again to you, and I'll see you next time. Have a lovely week. Oh yeah, sorry, I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast, and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, um, there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Ian <laughs> 